there are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Hello, Voice America listeners. Welcome. This is Next Steps Forward, and I'm your host, Chris Meek. We have uh, two very special, important guests on here today, uh, two that I've been fortunate to become uh, called friends. I've been doing some work with uh, both of them for a while now uh, from two very different uh, walks of life, uh, literally. Uh, first, we have IndyCar driver Graham Rahal. Graham, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks, Chris. You know how busy your schedule is, certainly uh, this past weekend. Uh, and also uh, our good friend, Sergeant Dan Rose. Dan, thanks for joining us from uh, Smoky, Colorado today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, you know, we, we swapped some emails last week, and there's no real agenda here. Um, as you both know, we focus on empowerment, well-being. Uh, but first, Graham, let's talk about Sunday. Wow. You know, congratulations on your third place finish. You know, you're, you're tying your top finish from 2011. You know, can you give us a recap of the race, you know, from your perspective, from a fan's perspective, and maybe a little bit more detail for folks who may not be IndyCar fans in terms of what goes into preparation for that? Yeah, the, uh, you know, for, for us to finish third, I think at uh, the Indy 500 is a huge deal. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've had great runs there in the past, uh, but, uh, you know, to do it, uh, to do it again, um, to finish like we did as a team as well, finishing first and third, Takuma Sato, my teammate winning, you know, the race, uh, it's a huge moment for us. Um, it's uh, it's a pretty intense race when you think about you know the overall uh, 500 miles, um, three hours or so that it takes, uh, you know. But we we work and we dedicate ourselves so much throughout the entire year. Already, when this race came to a conclusion Sunday night, you know there was already a lot of thoughts of you know how do we improve uh, for the Indy 500 in 2021. So you know that never really stops. Uh, the wheels are always in motion and uh, trying to improve, um, but. You know, our guys did an excellent job. Uh, the team did an excellent job to be able to finish first and third at Indy is a pretty incredible accomplishment for an organization like us. And so um, just keep our heads down. Now, we can't enjoy it too long because we head off to St. Louis this weekend for a doubleheader. Um, so really quick turnaround. But it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a huge, you know, a huge accomplishment for us. Yeah, congratulations to you and certainly uh, Sato and the team. So, so great work to everyone there. You, know, you talked about heading off to St. Louis in the doubleheader. COVID-19 has obviously turned the world upside down, inside out, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, major sports have obviously been disrupted as people's lives have. Uh, you know, I work in New York City and I haven't been back since the first week of March and exactly. don't know when I'm going back. Exactly. You know, so that being said, you know, what's it like racing with nobody in the stands? How do you prepare for that physically? How do you prepare for it mentally just to stay at that top level that you run at all the time? Well, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's different with the fans, you know, uh, without fans, fans keep you motivated too. Um, you know, it keeps you motivated to go on and put on a good show. The atmosphere produces extra adrenaline that makes us, you know, go out there and, and push a little bit harder. Sometimes Indianapolis is quite different that once you're in the car, the visor's down, you know, you're so, you're so locked into what you need to do to win the Indy 500. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to be self-motivating in, in that instance. 
to not have fans there, you know, when you look back at uh, the 104 years of racing that we've had, or 104 races that have now been completed at the Indy 500, you know, the fans are clearly a big part of the fabric of that event. Uh, when you look back and, you know, it's a single, single largest uh, sporting event, mm-hmm. single day uh, in the world, um, you know, 300,000 plus people ordinarily. I know you guys have, have both seen it, um, but, uh, you know, to, to not have that this year was, yeah, it was, was a little bit strange, um, you know, walking to the grid and all that stuff. But as I said, it's pretty easy there to be self-motivating because, you know, when we, when we uh, train year in, year out, and you're pushing as hard as you can, um, you know, you're trying to run that extra mile. The easiest way to convince yourself to do it is, is to tell yourself it's, you're doing it for the Indy 500 win, you know, and picture that last lap and battling for the victory. And, you know, seemingly you can always get that, that mile done. So, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a huge one for us. And, and Graham, one other question here before we go to Dan. Let's go back to the start for you for a moment. You know, we all know your father, Bobby Ray Hall, won the Indian 586. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up in a house like that? Were you always going to be a driver? Did you want to be an astronaut or a lawyer? Well, you know, it's funny because I was with some of the Air Force Thunderbirds last week uh, as they because they did the flyover for the race. And so mm-hmm. we saw them before that. And and I told them, uh, which was the truth, you know, as a kid, the two things I always was crazy passionate about is I either want to be an IndyCar driver or a fighter pilot. That's what I always said. Uh, so, you know, to me, I got to uh, uh, live one of those dreams. Um, you know, racing was the obvious fit, but I must also say that in my family, you know, I'm really the only one that has any involvement with racing whatsoever. So it's not like, you know, just because you were, you know, born in and you were a Ray Hall that you went racing. I mean, the majority of my siblings uh, never really, I mean, they had interest because I was involved or dad was, but they didn't have interest in being involved themselves. So um, it was, a, it, it, it wasn't set in stone, but certainly it's been a great dream you know, for me to live out. And I think too, you know, from a family perspective, IndyCar racing means so much to us. The Indy 500 means so much to us. Uh, so it's been, uh, we've been fortunate to, uh, to have it. So you're like the old Top Gun movie, you just have the need for speed. I do, definitely. There's no doubt about that. I love it. I love it. Sergeant Dan Rose, over to you for a few minutes, if that's okay. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse sure. me. So, you know, Graham and I know your story. We know your enlistment in the military. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, who and what Dan Rose is and why did you uh, first sign up to join the army to begin with? Uh, yeah, to be honest, like I joined up um, just because when I turned 18, my parents asked me like, what are you going to do next year? You know, and I was like, I'll go to college, you know, and they're like, how are you going to pay for that? And I was like, I thought that was your guys' job or whatever. And they're like, <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, and then like the next weekend, I think I got like a call from a recruiter. So I'm pretty sure they were the ones who kind of nudged them in my direction. Um, you know, but it was uh, one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, you know, I joined right out of high school, went to basic training. So I didn't start college until like the next semester after I was doing uh, the reserves. So, you know, the one week in a month, two weeks a year. Um, but it allowed me to, you know, get through college without any debt, taking any student loans or anything like that. So, I mean, it was a, honestly one of the better decisions I ever made. Um, you know, and then I was in for about, I think it was like six, seven years. And I hadn't been deployed at all through college, which was kind of crazy. And, um, uh, I graduated in like 2008 when everything kind of, you know, tanked the economy or whatever. Every job I looked for, I was either, you know, like I didn't have enough experience or I was overqualified or whatever, you know, and I was just like, I was getting 
desperate and hungry. So I found a unit that was uh, deployed to Afghanistan, you know, and I was like, all right, well, haven't deployed yet. And kind of, you know, got to check that box on my list of things to do while in the military or whatever. And so kind of jumped at the opportunity and, you know, it was kind of exciting, you know, and unfortunately the way it ended up, but, you know, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. So you talk about the, the way it ended up. Would you mind sharing with our listeners, you know, the story of April 27th, 2011? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was a combat engineer. Uh, my job in Afghanistan was basically doing route clearance. So we were just, we would go out every morning, drive all the routes in our area, um, looking for the, you know, they would basically put bombs in the road, the IEDs. Um, and we were really good. Like we found all the IEDs that were on the routes that we had cleared. Nobody behind us had ever gotten blown up. Um, so we were awesome at our job um, until we weren't. And this one was just a new route. Uh, they had put it in right before the rainy season. Um, and when they did, they just basically took this, we call them like rat trails or whatever. They were just like kind of footpaths that uh, people could ride like their motorbikes or just walk down or whatever. But they wanted to make it like an actual route that we could drive our trucks down. So they just bulldozed it, flattened it out and widened it. Uh, when they did that, there was a culvert running through it. We had no idea that it was even there. Um, they had about six weeks during the rainy season to packet full of explosives which they had done and we came up to it you know and there was a ditch on either side of the road none of us saw a culvert you know we're like all right must not be one all right that's weird right as soon as we got over the top of that thing it just went off and it was uh just about a thousand pounds of explosives so i mean it it rocked the truck and uh luckily though i was the worst injured out of it uh, my driver he had some uh like minor uh spinal fractures or whatever no nerve damage anything like that um uh, my gunner, he broke his ankle. Uh, we all had pretty bad concussions, um, you know, but we all, you know, survived it. And that's kind of crazy. But So you mentioned your injury. You were paralyzed from the chest down. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a T4 complete uh, paralysis. Like what's kind of crazy though, is I broke my back like twice before that. I did it once like playing hockey as a kid. Another time like riding a four-wheeler when I was like 19 years old. Um, so I kind of like bend through it, you know, like I was like, ah, oh, this will be easy, you know, like go get like, maybe get a surgery whatever, you know, I'll be back at it, you know, it'll be fine. Just a couple of weeks, whatever. Um, but after my spinal surgery at a uh, Walter Reed, you know, like the surgeon came in, I was like, Hey, so like, you know, like how, how long until I can get up and start getting out of here or whatever. And he was like, yeah, you're never going to walk again. Like your spinal cord is toast, you know? And I was just like crushed, you know? And it was the worst news I could possibly hear. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of what allowed me to just sort of focus on what did I need to do to get out of the hospital, get rid of that kind of like false hope or the, you know, sort of like the pipe dream of I'm going to walk again one day where in my case it was, you know, that's never going to happen. The amount of willpower I have is not going to, you know, make me stand up and walk on my own. So. And, you know, as those thoughts are becoming realities to you, you know, you talked about the willpower you have, how did you transition or where did you transition that willpower into other avenues or venues? Uh, what became like my sort of like outlet or whatever was uh, adaptive sports. Uh, when I was in, I did my rehab down in uh, Tampa at the VA medical center down there. And we had an awesome like rec therapy department down there and they got us out. Like, you know, they would take us hand cycling. They would bring in, you know, like the local like adaptive sports teams from like the Tampa area, have them come in and show us like what sports they did or whatever. And so it was just kind of like, helped me realize, you know, like, all right, you know, it's not going to be as bad as I initially had thought. I thought it was going to be, you know, like just sitting on the sidelines for the rest of my life, you know, doing absolutely nothing. 
and you know like they were showing me you know like i could ski i could play you know like the rugby basketball or you know hand cycling i mean like you name it you know like it's out there whatever and so it kind of just let me know like all right you know there's still life to be lived awesome great way to put it and i've seen dan in action uh, i think most recently your newest sport for the last couple of years has been lacrosse and so uh yeah. been, a, been a big big lax player there so congrats to you for for keep going with that yeah uh back over to you graham can you tell us a little bit about sort of a day in the life of an indycar driver you know what it's like being part of ray hall letterman lanigan well, it depends on the day. Um, you know, it's, uh, typically the off seasons are fairly quiet. Um, a lot of what we do in the off season is, is, uh, physical training, um, you know, mental training, getting ready, you know, for, for what's ahead, studying years past film, um, you know, races of the past to understand, you know, the flow and, and the way that, that the races go each and every tracks a little bit different. The challenge that it presents us is a little bit different. Um, you know, but in season, it gets pretty busy uh, with, uh, with, with appearances, sponsor appearances, commitments all around the country. Uh, this year's been unique in that sense that we haven't done that nearly as much. But, um, you know, still nowadays, it's uh, pretty much filled a lot, lot of Zoom calls, a lot of interviews, a lot of things like that to, uh, to get the sponsors what they need. And uh, in fact, even I think later today, we've got a... Uh, a zoom call, like a virtual wine tasting with some of the sponsors to, uh, to entertain some of their biggest guests, uh, or clients of, of the bank, uh, fifth third bank. And so, you know, stuff like that, we're trying to get, think outside the box, different ways to, um, you know, activate and, and get people excited about what we do. And then as you guys know, as well, um, on top of all of that, we, we have our foundation, um, which we're, you know, continue to push forward and try to uh, do as, as well as we can to help, um, you know, guys and, and gals just like Dan and uh, try to help improve the, the lives of those who have given so much to us. Uh, thank you for that. And Dan, I'm not sure about you, but I haven't seen that Zoom link come through yet for the, the wine tasting this afternoon. So maybe <laughs> after this, you can, you can forward that over. Send that over. <laughs> Appreciate Get that. Get some Malier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to pretend for a little bit. <laughs> you know, and Graham, I don't think a lot of our listeners know that uh, you and your dad aren't the only drivers in the family. You know, your, your wife, Courtney, the daughter of funny car legend, John Force, uh, holds the NHR record, NHRA record for most funny car wins at 12 by a woman. Uh, how did you two meet? Uh, yeah, we, we met up in Chicago, actually, in Joliet at one of her races. Um, you know, years ago now, it feels like it's gone by. It has gone by quick, but it was eight years ago now. And, um, you know, that was uh, forever changed after that, <laughs> that meeting. And uh, we've been married for, this is year number five. Uh, so things have gone by in quite a hurry, but it's been great too, you know, to get her, uh, you know, involved in the charity and the foundation and everything that we do. And uh, it's been fun to, uh, to have her. And uh, like I said, see, see her passion for it grow too. Um, you know, the last couple of years, she's, changed the name of the foundation, I think, uh, three years ago. And, um, you know, the, the, the passion, the fire has really grown within her, which has been, uh, which has been great to see. Awesome. Awesome. And what was it like just having, being, uh, two professional athletes, you know, passing ships in the night with race schedules, was it difficult for the first couple of years? Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. There's a lot of movement, uh, in, in that regard. I mean, uh, 
it was, it was hard to see, you know, we didn't see her much. I mean, it's just the way it was. We tried to make time, you know, that I'd go to her races or she'd come to mine. Uh, but it, but it was always tough. Uh, a lot of times one of us will be racing on the East coast, one on the West, you know, even just that time change and everything else, you know, was, was very difficult to cope with, uh, from, from time to time. But, you know, she retired what, two years ago now, uh, we have a baby on the way, November 1st will be our first. Congratulations. Uh, so, uh, we're excited by, about that. And, you know, for her, it's been great too. I think it's given her something to really look forward to and live for, you know, when you, when you lose that, uh, competitive drive and the fire that racing or any sport or any competition or, uh, you know, going to battle. I mean, let's be honest. It's uh, that, that that fire within you uh, is what drives you through life and stuff. When you lose that and you step away from the seat, it becomes pretty hard, I think, uh, mentally to adjust to that. Uh, but she's done a great job. And obviously the baby is going to be able to, to help and change that quite a bit too. And actually that was the next question or congratulations first on that. And the next question for you is how do you see that if anyway, you know, sort of changing or affecting your life. Obviously, it's a big change for anybody who become a parent for the first time. Yeah. Uh, you talk about her, her fire, her passion. I certainly see that transferring over to, to being the mom. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, I think she's, I, th- I do think, you know, the, the mom stage is going to be an interesting thing for her. Uh, the competitiveness that watching your kids play sports and everything else. We all know what that, the soccer mom, the good old soccer mom's like, you know, for sure. And I think that can easily... I see that out of my sister-in-law who, who was in the same pattern as Courtney and stepped out of the car and, you know, and, and had kids and uh, thought someday she might go back to racing. And now, now if you ask her, you know, for her, it's all about watching her kids excel in sports and have fun and everything else. So, um, you know, that's, uh, I, I anticipate a great change, but I, but it, you know, we talked about the foundation before. I mean, I have seen a, a quick change in her, you know, when we talk about, how much money we're raising and what we can do and where it can go in the future. You know, initially her involvement was pretty light. Uh, her interest in it too, I think was, uh, she was kind of, uh, uh, kept at arm's length because of by choice. You know, I think she just decided, Oh, I don't know about this. I don't really know how to do it and whatever else. And while it's still a challenge from afar, uh, she definitely is, is, uh, you know, pushing on and been doing, a lot more to help us and to, uh, to help the foundation raise more money and everything else. So I think even the competitive drive, you know, year in, year out to, to raise more and to do more, um, you know, you can see it, you know, kind of in a business sense like that as well. No, thank you. Well, actually we'll talk about the, the foundation in the second half of the show. Um, but that's great to hear that, you know, she's really picking up the reins on that and, and really driving that forward. Dan, back over to you. Um, you know, we talked briefly about your injury. Uh, being paralyzed from chest down. How do you become mobile again now? What are you doing to be able to, to get up and, and to move around? Um, well, I mean, I've got my chair, whatever that I'll use to, you know, push around, go wherever, um, drive a regular everyday car. Um, I've also got the uh, exoskeleton, um, which is great. It's more of like a piece of like exercise equipment, but I'm able to, you know, get in that, uh, stand up, walk around, um, which is great for like my range of motion, bone density, flexibility, um, and just, you know, like my emotional well-being. you know, it's uh, great. My wife, they actually trained her how to be the one to walk with me or whatever for it. So, you know, I get to stand up and be eye level with her, you know, a few times a week, which is kind of fun. So, uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about how the exoskeleton works? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, basically it's just like, uh, has electric motors on it. Um, it goes, you know, from 
it has like foot pads that my feet will step on, strap onto. There's a, you know, like straps and pads around like the shins, the thighs, and it comes all the way up um, to my back or whatever. It has like backpack straps where that's where like the computer and like the batteries are like on the, on the back piece of it. Um, the device itself like works basically by foot pads and the sensors or the sensors and the foot pads, sorry, um, that can tell where my center of gravity is. So for me to take like a step with my right foot, I have to lean over my left foot and then slightly forward and it'll automatically take that step with the right. And I use like a, uh, cuff crutches or whatever to like balance myself and get myself to where I need to be in space. Um, and that's like one of the things like why you can't really take it out in public yet or whatever, or just like walk down the sidewalk because that device is programmed to take like an 11 inch step, uh, pick it up like nine tenths of an inch swing time is like nine tenths of a second. You know, it's all like pre-programmed. So like I could be standing on the edge of a cliff and it's going to take that step forward, you know, like no, regardless of what's there. So it's like, until that device that can figure out a way to like make it, I mean, aware of its surroundings or whatever, that's like the big limitation, but you know, like technology advances rapidly. So mm-hmm. one day it'll be there, you know, and I'm just excited to be like, on like the taking some of the first steps towards that progression, you know? And so it's kind of exciting. And you mentioned you have your exoskeleton suit. Uh, how did you come about receiving that? All right. So, uh, well, I mean, you know the story. I'll tell you again, though. <laughs> uh, uh, the organization Soldier Strong, which uh, you you started, um, they were donating one. And I was living in Wisconsin at the time, and the uh, chief of the spinal cord center at the Milwaukee VA actually called me up and was like, hey, Dan, these, uh, this organization is actually donating like one of these exoskeleton devices. I want to, or exoskeleton devices. I want to put you in for it. You know, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's amazing. You know, and I kind of like, thought of it like buying a Powerball ticket, you know, like where it's like, oh man, this is, that'd be so cool to win, you know, like already planning out like my next steps with it or whatever, but like kind of like in that like fantasy realm or whatever, where it's like, it's never actually going to happen, but it'd be so cool if it did. Uh, luckily, like two months later, um, Dr. Lee called me back and he was like, Dan, they picked you. And he's like, but you got to go out to like New York city to get it or whatever. And I was like, shit doc, like I'll go to Mars if that's where I got to go. Like just, it's worth it. Um, and so it was, it was just like kind of a crazy series of events, I guess, that kind of like collided our worlds together. And uh, yeah, ever since it's been uh, just amazing, you know, to have that device, to be able to use it. Like, I'm very fortunate. So thank you. No, my pleasure, my honor. Uh, and seeing your smile, I actually have, I should put on my desk here uh, in my office upstairs here at home. I've got a picture of you from that event uh, receiving exoskeleton you're looking over at your now wife uh lisa and family uh and that picture is worth worth everything so uh thank you for your sacrifice and your service sir of course thank you and then i guess maybe one other question for along the lines of the exoskeleton is what was it like the first time you were walking in that uh right it was it was just crazy i I guess i never realized like how used to like my perspective being from a seated position and like just standing up again or whatever and being, you know, I was, I'm five foot seven, so I'm not a giant by any means, but I mean, I still just felt like, you know, I, I, I felt like I was on, on top of a mountain, you know, it's like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. And it was just like, you know, like a rush of emotions and, you know, it's something that I guess, you know, luckily not many people will get to experience that. Cause I mean, you got to go through a 
terrible ordeal of events to get there. But then they like all of a sudden have that ability to walk again, like return. It's just like, Holy crap. Like this, it's just big, like a huge rush of emotion. And it's amazing. How many times a week are you walking now? Uh, well, now that the Lisa's teaching school again, so it's uh, sort right. of taking a little backseat or whatever, but we're trying to do it at least three times a week. Great. They're doing all virtual throughout. teaching, so it's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's uh, strange times, right? 2020, the year we all want to forget. It never ends. It doesn't. You're talking about the fires you have there. Uh, we've got the fires in California. So 2021 has to be the perfect year for everybody, right? Oh, can't get any worse. Fingers crossed. We're going to take a short break here. Uh, you're listening to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek with IndyCar driver Graham Rahal and Sergeant Dan Rose. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right. Welcome back, Voice America listeners. This is Next Step Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. Thanks for joining us today. For those of you just joining us, uh, again, we have two very special guests, two good friends of mine, IndyCar driver Graham Rahal, just coming off a third place podium finish at the Indy 500, and Army Sergeant Dan Rowe. So gentlemen, uh, thanks again for being here and, and welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Graham, let's talk a little bit about all the work you do off the track. You, know, you talked earlier about the foundation, uh, the work that you and Courtney have been doing. I know it started out as the Graham Rahal Foundation. Now it's both of yours, which is fantastic. Love the new logo and, and representing on your hat. So thanks for wearing that today. Um, before we get to that, can you talk about uh, a little bit about your sponsor, United Rentals, and the Turns for Troops program? Yeah, so United Rentals has been a tremendous you know, partner of our team. Obviously, racing is very uh, unique compared to many other sports in the sense that we rely solely on sponsors uh, to go racing. Uh, without sponsorship, we, we don't do what we do. Um, but, the, but the great thing about United Rentals is when they came on board, um, you know, the first objective for them was, okay, let's take, uh, let's take this great platform. Let's find a way to, to, to give back. And so Turns for Troops was, was born, the initiative, the, the concept, and uh, the, the idea is every lap that we complete throughout the year, uh, $50 is donated. Um, at the Indianapolis 500, it goes up to $100 per lap. So that's clearly an important one, uh, dollar-wise for us. Um, this year, because of the funkiness of COVID and everything else, uh, through quarantine, we did um, iRacing, online racing, which was televised, and United Rentals even did the $50 per lap uh, during that period of time. Um, but not only, it doesn't just stop there. Uh, we do go on to, uh, United Rentals is our, is our presenting sponsor of our charity golf event, which is perhaps our biggest you know, it is for, from our foundation standpoint, it's the biggest fundraiser each and every year. Uh, but it's always, uh, it's, it's always a, a little bit larger than the amount that we'll raise on track. Um, but combined it's, uh, it's a definitely a hefty donation that we, we make to uh, soldier strong every year. And as I said before, you know, the, the goal is always to try to help, uh, people like Dan, who we've become very, very close with. And, uh, Dan's, you know, become one of our uh, favorite faces and guys to have at the track with us. And, uh, you know, there's nothing more, more powerful than, uh, you know, when United Rentals had, had Dan come out to the 500 and we stood, uh, together on the front straight for the, uh, national anthem was a, uh, was a special moment, uh, in my life. And, uh, hopefully it was for him too. I'll never forget it. Yeah. Thank you. You know, Dan, it's a, it's a great point there, Graham, you know, with all the things going on now in the world, and certainly in the U.S., from kneeling for the flag, Black Lives Matter, all this stuff, what was it like for you personally, knowing that you couldn't stand and walk again, to actually be able to stand up right there, as Graham mentioned earlier in the show, the largest single-day sporting event in the galaxy? You know, what did that feel like? Uh, it was insane. You know, it was like one of those things, like when I was in the hospital, um, you know, like when I went to like sporting events or whatever, after getting out of the hospital, it was like one of the, you know, reminders, you know, where it's just like, all right, now everyone take off your hat and please, you know, like stand for the anthem. And it's just like, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna take my hat off and I'm gonna keep sitting here or whatever. So, um, but to do it like there on the track at the 
500 with, you know, it, it seems like millions of people on either side of the track and the both grandstands. It's just nuts, like pandemonium. And I, I, I just wonder what was it like this year where it was just, you know, they got, just hearing the audio, like from the TV, it was just echoey, you know, like there was yeah, nobody there, different. you know, and like, I remember one year there was a guy, it was like, it was like, crap, crap. And it was like during the anthem. So everyone else was like quiet, you know, I was like, no, and he kind of like turned around. He's like, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's different, man. It's a different feel, you know, without everybody uh, to have the Thunderbirds do, uh, do their, their flyover was amazing, you know, to, to see that and, always a great show of America's power and everything else. But, uh, were they as good as last year? the years that we did it together? That's for sure. Was it as good as the last year's flyover where it was like the A-10 and the F-16, like the two, like World War II warbirds going over. And then all of a sudden the F-16 came back and put on like a one man. No, air so show the the F-16, yeah. So the F-16 guy was nuts last year. <laughs> so, yeah. We just got to the, the center of the track. It was like, I'm going to go up. Yeah, the Centerbird, the Thunderbirds were great. Uh, definitely. I mean, they, the, the 500 always has a really cool flyover, you know, stealth yeah. bombers or whatever it may be. There's always, I think the stealth bomber always gets everybody, you know, the most excited uh, just to see because yeah. it's so kind of iconic. Um, but no, it was great. And uh, I, I've flown with the Thunderbirds. So to, uh, to, to get that opportunity and to see them again at the track and talk and stuff. It was awesome, but it, as as we said, it was definitely a different vibe than you know than, than what it normally or traditionally is at the five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a cool event. Uh, it still is fun to be a part of, and um, you know we finished all the laps. We got to raise good money. I guess that you know, if nothing else, yeah. that's great. <laughs> yeah. and I need- it's probably probably easier to get from the garage or to the track or whatever. You know, it was a lot <laughs> easier this time. <laughs> it was yeah. definitely a lot easier. Well, and to that point, Graham, about the laps, I need to check the total, but since United Rentals and Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan started the Turns for Troops program, I believe it was back in 2016 was the first year, you're approaching, uh, I think, over $900,000 raised. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I want to say that we're, you know, with the foundation golf outing and everything mm-hmm. else this year, I'm sure we'll, we'll far uh, exceed a million dollars in donations, which is, uh, which is tremendous. Um, you know, how many, how many suits does that get us at 150 a 150 pop, clip, right? yep. Uh, it's exactly. pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, our goal is to continue to help, um, you know, try to do everything we can for, for soldier strong. You guys have been phenomenal, uh, partners to be able to work with. We love what, uh, what soldier strong does. And as we look forward, you know, we're going to, we're excited that next year we're going to have another, a new event, uh, in, in Napa Valley called Vino for vets, um, which again will be, uh, uh, kind of a fun wine tasting uh, experience weekend and everything else, but uh, we'll we'll uh, all 100 percent of the proceeds will, will also go to turns for troops and therefore soldiers strong. So, you know, we we anticipate a really you know ex- exciting future and hopefully we can continue to raise money and and uh, you know I I will say we haven't we haven't told too many people, uh, but you know our 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 team did a great job this year at the golf outing. Um, you know, in a, in a year where we thought at one point that maybe the, the golf outing wasn't, uh, you know, may, may not, may not continue on at least for this year. Uh, and, and we might just focus on 2021. We did set an all time record for dollars raised this year, which was tremendous. So no, it's fantastic. Uh, we're, we're excited by that. No, congratulations to everybody. And, and thank you to everybody for participating in that. I know it's, 
difficult. It's challenging. Everything's a little strange and, and odd and golfing six feet apart. And so thanks all yeah. for being a part of that. For sure. Uh, you know, and Graham, back to the, to the foundation, you know, you've mentioned Soldier Strong uh, as one of the, the charities you support, but what's the other supporting uh, the recipients for the, for the foundation for you and Courtney? Yeah, so our foundation, the other side of it is uh, is actually not too far from Diana uh, up in Fort Collins, which is Colorado State University. Um, it's uh, the, the, the branch that we work with is Colorado State's One Cure. And, um, you know, as we look around and we, th- we think about or we talk about how cancer has affected people, uh, every single person is going to raise their hand, right? It's whether that's a fellow human, a family member, a friend, uh, and in this case, dogs, uh, pets. Uh, but, you know, Colorado State at the Flint Animal Cancer Center, they've, they've recognized and realized that uh, the cancer cells in dogs, which are 85% genetically identical to a human. So anybody ever wonders why we're so, we love dogs so much that it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the, the, the cancer cells that are found in dogs are the same as humans, the way that the cancers react to treatments, same as humans, uh, where the treatment used to be, there really is no treatment. Uh, if a dog got cancer, well, it's, you know, we're going to have to put it down, um, or let it live out its life if it's painless and, and, uh, and pass away, you know, now there's a, a great opportunity for us to, to cure that cancer as well. And so what do we do directly to date? What our foundation has funded is uh, called the Lasardin Study. Um, Lasardin Study uh, basically is uh, using the drug Lasardin. Um, they found that given in extreme doses, um, it is able to uh, vastly reduce and sometimes completely eliminate cells of bone cancer in pets and dogs. And um, so we are funding the first ever clinical trial. Uh, that is found with comparative oncology um, now being used in children. So Children's Hospital uh, in Denver is our first trial. Um, Now, these are children who have been told there is no option uh, for their bone cancer. Bone cancer in human beings is pretty rare, uh, but in dogs, it is very common. In fact, in golden retrievers, about 90% of golden retrievers will have this form of cancer at some point, which is a crazy statistic to think about. Um, Our next hospital that is coming on board for our next clinical trial is in Atlanta. And so, you know, as a foundation, we're focused heavily on on military, as you guys know, but also how can you not like to support dogs, kids, you know, cancer research and everything else. So I feel that the one cure side of our program is, is equally as exciting. Yeah, no question. I've had the, the privilege of meeting some of those folks. And so uh, hats off to you and Courtney and everybody in the foundation for the work you do. I mean, it's just spectacular and, and such a wide spectrum of, of causes that you're supporting. So uh, as one of those beneficiaries and recipients, truly appreciate that, but also for others out there as well. No, for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been, I mean, you know how it is when it comes to, um, when it comes to foundation work like this and when it comes to giving back and, uh, it's, it's a powerful thing. Uh, it just is, you know, I think we, um, uh, we're honored to be able to do it, to be in a position to be able to do it. And as you both know, I mean, obviously Dan and I become good friends and it's, um, you know, to, to talk to Dan and see Lisa and, uh, catch up often and everything else. I mean, it's a powerful thing too. And that drives you forward 
you know, in a big, big way that, uh, you know, we always, uh, we want to, we want to see lives like his be improved. Um, you know, we want to, we want Dan to be able to stand up and look us eye to eye and have a great conversation, you know, and that's, it's, it is, it's a tremendously powerful when you see it in person, uh, when you see it live. Uh, I know when Dan was at our sponsor summit, uh, the night before or sponsored dinner, the night before the Indy 500, you know, and got up and walked, uh, there, there weren't many dry eyes in the place. And, uh, it is extremely, extremely powerful, you know, for us to witness. And so, you know, then it drives us all further to, you know, want to help and give back and, and, uh, and, and support as much as we, uh, humanly can. And, and, uh, the golf tournament's a huge thing. It's Thursday before the Indy 500. Uh, it's something that everybody wants to do. Um, and everybody wants to be a part of, uh, but it also raises a huge amount of money, you know, for us to uh, support these things. So it's, uh, it's been an honor for us. And, and, you know, you talked about why philanthropy is important to you, given how busy and hectic, you know, professional athlete schedule is, and certainly for both you and Courtney, when she was racing as well, you know, what got you into philanthropy to begin with? Well, my start was uh, my first boss in racing was Paul Newman. Um, and, um, you know, I remember vividly 2006, end of 2006, began 2007. I was a kid. I was 17 years old at the time. Um, but I, uh, I was with Paul in Sebring, Florida, and Paul went into the story about how he started Newman's Own. And how not only Newman's Own started, but the hole-in-the-wall camps uh, for kids and why he did what he did and you know, at that time, uh, you know, it was, uh, like I said, I, you know, this might've been, uh, this might've been September of 2007. So after my first, uh, my rookie year, um, you know, at that time he had raised $180 million, uh, to, to give back to kids and to, um, to help support, uh, I don't know if curing is the, is the right word, but to help support uh, progress, positive progress for uh, all types of illnesses for children, uh, to give them a camp and a place to go to where illnesses don't become the focus and purely having fun was. Um, as Paul used to always say that laughter was the greatest cure in his mind. And so, you know, uh, that's where it all began. Um, when I was a kid, my mom and dad, uh, were heavily involved, had a big golf tournament in Columbus, Ohio, where I was from, raised millions of dollars and helped fund uh, the first bone marrow transplant facility in Columbus at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Um, donated, you know, I think at the end it was $2.7 million to, wow. to help fund the floor. Um, and this is in the mid nineties. So that was a, that was a lot of money back in that, in that period of time. Um, and so it kind of ran in my, in my blood. I think my parents kind of initiated uh, the, the concept uh, of giving back and, and uh, helping improve the lives of others. And then when Paul passed away in 2008, it was, I think, also September of 2008, um, you know, it was clear to me, it was evident that, you know, this guy that was so powerful and so influential in my life, all of a sudden his presence was kind of gone not just his life, but I didn't see the name of the charity on the car anymore. I didn't see, and it kind of drove me nuts. So in May of 2009, I started my foundation. Now, again, at this point, 
19, just turned 20 years old. So this was all kind of on a whim. I'm going to do this and we're going to go. And from there we began the golf tournament. Um, and so we were very fortunate over the years that the golf tournament has been able to sustain the ups and but again, we talked about United Rental earlier. The golf tournament had been shelved for quite a while. The foundation hadn't been doing a ton for about two or three years. Um, uh, I kind of locked in on racing. And then, you know, Chris Hummel, who's no longer with United Rentals, but a great friend of, of ours, um, Chris and I sat down uh, out in, gosh, where were we? Maybe Phoenix? I don't think we're, maybe Phoenix or something. And we sat down and discussed. This was in like January. And Chris goes, well, you think we can make it happen for this year? I'm like, man, that's like three months away, you know, May. And, that sounds like Chris. And we did it, you know, we did it. And, you know, we put it together and, um, you know, raised over a couple hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, you know, from there, it just kept building and building and building to where we are, you know, now. And so it's been a huge, huge, huge fundraiser for us over the last few years. And so thanks again, you know, to United Rentals for helping kind of inspire us you know, my wife, myself, uh, Brittany, Brooke, uh, Brooke's been, you know, doing our tournament for the last few years. Brittany's come on board this year and done an amazing job. So, you know, everybody, uh, it inspires us, I think, to, to push forward and to keep, you know, trying to raise more and do more and make the tournament better every year. And obviously Vino for Vets, which I mentioned, uh, Dan, will definitely have to get you out there to share some stories. That's a powerful part of what we want to do. Um, but, it's uh, we're excited about, you know, what we can do and, and the lives that we can change in the future. Great. Thank you. And I actually just got the book about uh, Newman's own. Uh, I live just down the road from where it was started in Connecticut. So very familiar with, with Mr. Newman and, and Newman's own. So looking forward to reading that. It's, it's a, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Um, and I wish more, I personally, uh, I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at him, but I wish more celebrities in this world would do what Paul Newman did, uh, you know, used his star, uh, to help brighten everybody else's lives, not themselves. And, uh, you know, he was, he was the king of that. I mean, I don't even know, you know, if you looked at what Newman's own and the family, I see Clay and Newman all the time. Uh, but now the whole family, like, I don't even know, you know, what the dollar number would be today mm -hmm. and what they've raised, but it, massive. It's, it's massive. Yeah. I mean, massive. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't know any of those details. So that was, that's fascinating from my perspective. So thank you. Uh, Dan, over to you for a moment. You know, we talked about Turns for Troops here briefly. Can you tell us, you know, what Turns for Troops has, has meant to you, your involvement, what Graham can do better for you? Well, I think it's just been amazing, you know, just, uh, you know, just putting, I guess, the word out there or whatever, you know, and like there are these, you know, organizations to help veterans, um, you know, not to like disparage any other, you know, like so-called organizations that help veterans, but like, soldiers strong you know like all their money that they bring in goes towards veterans you know like you nobody's taken huge paychecks out of it or anything like that you know and it and, it, and you can see the positive in, impact that it has on people's lives you know like any of the pictures of any other veteran you know like myself included like when we stand up for the first time or whatever you know and like you can just see that flood of emotions going through that person's face and that's like you can't put a dollar amount on that you know i mean that is just something to like return that to them is amazing. And I, I think it's great, you know, and like Graham has just gone out of his way to like, kind of pick it up. And I think you just slapped whenever United Reynolds told you about soldier strong, I think you just slapped a sticker on the car. You're like, whatever, how, I don't know what the dollar amount of ad space this is, but these guys are doing some great stuff and just like, boom, like put it right on the car, you know? And it was just like, Holy crap, that's, that's crazy. 
Selfishly, that's still my favorite that, car, Graham. Yeah, I think that goes back, you know, again, the United Rentals. It's, you know, they, they were footing the bill, but what did they decide to do uh, was, you know, promote, uh, promote uh, Soldier Strong turns for troops. In fact, the creepy mannequin that you see behind me here, this, this was actually when I won the doubleheader in Detroit, in Detroit. And the weekend. Yeah. You know, that was the suit, the helmet, gloves, everything else from that weekend. And that weekend was, you know, the red, white, and blue uh, soldier strong turn for troops car. So again, you know, here we are on, on a weekend where we just, we crushed it. You know, we, we got every bit of media exposure we possibly could. United Reynolds is paying the bill, but who got the exposure, you know, was soldier strong and turns for troops. So, um, you know, they're, they're, I, I'll, whether they, they decide to stop sponsoring me tomorrow or not, it doesn't matter. I would always say, you know, they're a tremendous group of people who do great things. And, um, you know, certainly I've always been proud uh, to be associated with them. Yeah. Like you and the foundation, they are very proud of their philanthropic work. And so again, hats off to United Rentals uh, and Turns for Troops program, as well as for the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing team for being such a great part of that. Well, they also you know, employ a lot of veterans as well. Like at United Rentals, like they have a ton of veterans that they bring in just hire on. Big great time. Point. Yep. I believe it's about 15%. So that's a great point. You know, Dan, we talked a little bit before about your injury and, you know, your first, I guess, initial phase of, of acclimating to that. You know, you've overcome some of the most daunting obstacles that people like Graham or I could never imagine. You know, what motivates you? What keeps you going day in, day out? Um, well, I mean, I think it's just you giving up isn't an option. You know, I mean, you've got to keep driving forward. I mean, like, if you want a better life, you've got to work to make it that way. It's not just going to land on your doorstep. Um, but the other thing for me too, is also like remembering just perspective, you know, whenever anyone has a problem, you know, it seems like it's the biggest thing in the world and you kind of like lose focus on like, you know, there's people out there who have like things that are way worse right now or whatever. And so just like, I always try to keep things like in perspective like that, where it's like, yeah, you know, like I'm going through a tough time, but there are people who are going through worse. If they can get through what they're doing. I can get through what I'm doing. Like, I just got to keep my head down, keep working hard and things will get better, you know? And like, just having that optimistic outlook, you know, like you can't give up. Cause like, I mean, I've had people told me like, Oh, I never would made it if I would have, you know, like been paralyzed or whatever. And it's like, well, the alternative is just nothing. You know, like you don't really, that's not really a choice, you know, like you have to do something. So it's like, you got to keep working. No, you know, that being said, you know, what advice do you have for some of our listeners who might not have the same optimism you, you, you've had and continue to have in terms of, you know what, I'm going to figure out what the new life looks like, what the new norm looks like, many, you know, sort of tricks of the trade, for lack of a better phrase, that you could share? Um, I guess just, you know, like you just got to stay positive. I know that's hard, especially, you know, or times right now or whatever are crazy. And it's, it's hard to see that kind of like silver lining or whatever, but it's, you know, you got to motivate yourself in one way or the other. And, you, and that just having that, you know, like sort of like optimism or like faith that things will get better will definitely give you results a lot faster than just piling on the negative or whatever. Thank you for that. And one other question for you in, in regards to the exoskeleton that you use, you talked about technology constantly evolving and changing. You know, we had a new Indy car this year. Um, you know, what do you see technology like in, in five or 10 years? I, I hope it's beyond like whatever I could imagine. Um, but I mean, it, it definitely would be, you know, the device being more intuitive, um, you know, or it's not so much like 
I have to tell it where to go, what to do or whatever, you know, like kind of like, um, I don't know, like an integration or whatever, like a, you know, if I look at a place or whatever, I can start heading that way or whatever. Um, but I don't know, like it, it's going to be crazy just to see like what, you know, like what I'm taking now and to actually see that product will be, you know, two different things. And I hope it's exciting. What about rocket thrusters? Yeah. I've been asking them every time I talk to like their engineers or whatever. And like, it's, they're saying that's like 50 years in the, down the road. So sure, I'm sure it'll get lighter too. You know, I mean, you look oh, definitely. at it right now, it's a pretty heavy piece and stuff, but as well, the batteries are going to get sure. smaller, Yeah, you know, the motors will get smaller, everything will get more powerful. You know, it's like you're, you know, you look at the progression of the cars from the running to the Indy 500, you know, and like what the first year it was like 10, 15 hours or whatever it took them to get done. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, sure. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty cool to see technology evolved and evolve and it does happen pretty quickly. You know, it's pretty crazy. No, faster and faster. And the, the best example I always have is like the cell phone, you know, like we had like mm-hmm. the Zach Morris bricks, you know, like, and then now we all have like a, supercomputer in our pocket the last question i have is for you graham uh might be a little more of a personal one who's got a better beard dan rose or dave letterman you know i gotta say i i think i think dan's got this competition (laughs) covered um i mean dave's is pretty big too it's it's not the most attractive thing i've ever seen but um you know, I, I told Dan, there's got to be something living in there. That thing is, is thick. It is strong, yeah. but he's filling, he's filling his role as a mountain man in Colorado. So I love it. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you both for being here. This is Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. We're with any car driver, Graham Rahal and Army Sergeant Dan Rose. Again, gentlemen, thanks again for your time. Graham, congratulations again. A great third place finish in the 500. And looking forward to seeing you both soon. Take care and God bless. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.